graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. You know why you can't stop me? Because I'm not playing a game. For you, it's winning and losing. For me, it's life and death. That's ah! I win. That's where you have to go. No more thought, no more feeling. Kill or be killed. Kill or be killed, little man. Get back to win this game, man, before you got to be too cool. Ah! Stop acting like you're not ashamed right now. Follow that shame to the fear. Follow that fear to the rage. Put that rage up your ass, turkey. There's only two ways off this table. Kill or be killed. Say it. Kill or be killed. I said say it, Bumbles. Kill or be killed. Kill! Kill! Your podcast will fail. It's just a coincidence that you were talking about the Jack and Triumph show and I'm here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Hey man, this is Kevin Smith, guy makes all those unlistenable podcasts over at Smodcast.com, and you're listening to the Two Strangers One Podcast. This is podcasting. You're listening to Two Strangers One Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or on the Stitcher app for Android devices. Please visit Two Strangers One Podcast.net. Now, here's Chris Cologne and Paul Pasquillo. Hello and welcome to Two Strangers, One Podcast. I am Chris and I am here all alone. And no, it is not Paul's fault. As a matter of fact, right when we were getting ready to record this, uh, it is almost, it is after the six year anniversary that Paul has been with the show, uh, almost 171 episodes by my count. And uh, unfortunately, I was trying out some new equipment the last time we were recording, and I think something got bumped. Uh, my microphone got shut off, and unfortunately, nothing got recorded. So I was trying to see. I was going over through my hard drive a past couple of days, trying to see maybe if the file was somewhere. Uh, to no avail. Um, it's been a couple of days since I recorded this episode with Paul. I still have my notes, so I'm going to basically end up repeating everything I just said uh, because I didn't want to go too long without an episode being put out, you know, with it being the end of the summer and I'm planning to go down to New York City with my daughter, uh, sort of a late birthday present. Uh, you know, just didn't want to leave you guys hanging for far too long. I know we go way too long in between episodes and uh, Paul wasn't available to record tonight, so I said, fuck it, let me just get this out of the way. One last thing to worry about. So let's talk about things in current events, things that have been happening since the last episode. Uh, two, now, of course, there have been more than just the two that I'm going to mention, uh, but the two mass shootings that happened within 24 hours of each other, uh, one was down in El Paso, Texas, uh, where a guy uh, drove out of his way to go to El Paso strictly because it was close enough to the border and uh, had every intention of killing people uh, of Mexican descent. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's really sad that as the, you know, as a reaction to these shootings, you know, Walmart says they're not going to sell anymore uh, or not. They're not going to advertise violent video games in their ads or any on the TV spots or anything like that. Uh, but ironically enough, it was a Walmart of which the guy went into and, you know, with uh, I believe in that part of Texas being an open carry. I don't know if I, I forgive my ignorance if I don't know if all of Texas is an open carry state. But in that particular case, uh, it was an open carry. So in a place where there is open carry and there are guys who walk around, uh, you know, compensating uh, for their small penises by carrying around AR-15 in case shit pops off. Uh, you would think if there was a quote unquote good guy with a gun. 
this kid would have been stopped in the Walmart and, you know, he took a bunch of people with him. And, you know, and it just goes to show. And I had seen a couple of screen grabs of him walking into the store, into the Walmart, and he came in holding the gun. It wasn't like he even walked in the store with, like, even pretending that he was a, an average customer that just happens to have a fucking assault rifle uh, strapped to his back. And so he just came in, uh, pardon the phrase, guns a blazing, uh, took a lot of people with him. And, uh, you know, I do notice that there are a lot of people that like how he was taken into custody. Uh, comparing it to when other uh, people have been taken into custody. I don't now, and, you know, I don't want to make it a racial thing, but it's usually, you know, how come a black, you know, like a Michael Brown gets choked to death, uh, but this guy gets taken into custody. Um, I, I would like to see the footage of the police apprehending him because, you know, was he, was he struggling? Was he resisting arrest? Was he, because, you know, when I see the, I, the couple of photos that I did see of him, being arrested it didn't look like he was struggling or anything anything like that um and i do get what people saying like you know the cops feel more threatened by a person of color than they do of uh you know (laughs) a white guy with a fucking assault rifle um i i haven't even checked to be honest with you but i would like to see the footage of that arrest um and don't don't worry folks (laughs) we're gonna get a lot more lighter and nerdier stuff we just uh just covering all the big news this because i'd like to think of this podcast as a bit of a of a time capsule you know, things that are sort of uh, big right now. So, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, I could go back and listen to the episodes. Oh, yeah, I remember, you know, end of the summer 2019, uh, you know, what was the big stories going on then? So uh, let me see. Then there was the Jeffrey Epstein suicide in the MCC. And uh, for those who follow me on Facebook, you know, I was a correction officer for 10 years. And I have a lot to say about this. Um well, one, there was an article that came out, and I forget exactly, I, th- I want to say it was the New York Times, uh, but it was talking about how the facility itself had about 750 inmates to 18 guards. And I hope, I'm pretty sure those are the numbers that they said in the article, which, you know, you break out your calculator, averages out to about 41 inmates per officer which i think is fucking cute because when i was a correction correction officer uh you know i had work i had worked at a max you know sing sing that's the big one everyone knows that's the one that you know has a has a history you know used to house old sparky the electric chair and when i worked uh sing sing on a gallery which if now once again i'm thinking about numbers that were back in 2000 late 99 early 2000 uh so the numbers might have changed since the last time i worked there but uh on an average gallery you had 180 inmates supervised by two officers so when i used to work the galleries that means me and one other officer were in charge of 180 inmates 90 apiece so there once again to compare that to the mcc numbers mcc was the facility that was holding um jeffrey epstein uh so now you know Break out your calculators. That comes out to about 90 inmates an officer. And then I had worked at a medium security uh, facility in Staten Island called Arthur Kill, which is now closed, but they film episodes of <laughs> Orange is the New Black there. Uh, when I was working there, there were 60 inmates to a unit. So once again, you know, I laugh at those numbers when they say, you know, 40, 40 inmates to an officer. I was like, I wish, I wish I had 40 inmates to an officer, which, which by the third, the third facility I worked at, uh, are, um, Bayview, that was that was about forty inmates to an officer, so that was close, and that was a women's medium. So, you know, uh, it shows you how intense things are. Uh, 
at MCC, and not that I'm shitting on federal officers. I just, you know, look at those numbers. Just keep in mind that, you know, one officer is in charge of 40 inmates. Now, I believe it comes, turns out that these particular officers were sleeping. Uh, they were supposed to be doing suicide watch. Uh, their policies were a little different than the policies than when I was working in corrections because uh, they said, according to the article, they had to check up on Jeffrey Epstein every half an hour when with the state, with New York State. And once again, keep in mind, I haven't worked for the state in about 10 years, so uh, policies may have changed since then. But I'm giving you the most accurate advice, uh, the most accurate accurate uh, account to the best of my knowledge. And I'm not making not using hyperbole or anything like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, when I was when I was when you were working something like Suicide Watch, it was every 15 minutes you would check up on the inmate and make a log entry about it. Now, that being said, of course, you know, they don't want you to work like clockwork. They don't want you to come every single 15 minutes because then that just gives the inmate the illusion that, oh, I have 15 minutes to kill myself in between the next round. So you're supposed to vary it up a bit. But just because you're on suicide watch, and I kind of want to educate people on that, just because you're on suicide watch does not necessarily mean that an officer sitting outside your cell babysitting you like if this is fucking silence of the lamps, it doesn't work like that. Uh, Usually, um, I mean, you may be in a facility where things are kind of crazy. Well, you may have two suicide watches, you know, uh, or whatever. They may have the officer doing other things other than doing suicide watch. Now, let's use those numbers that the, the New York Times article said about 17 or 18 officers to 718, 17 officers to 750 inmates. Imagine if you took one officer away from that whole team and had them sit one on one with Jeffrey Epstein. And, you know, now you're, you know, now you're, Adding the numbers where now you know now the officers are responsible for sixty inmates and so on and so forth. So uh, I just want to let you know that you know suicide watch. It's or at least with MCC or at least with New York State. It wasn't like how it is in the movies. It's not like there's a officer sitting outside your cell with their chair posted there. Now, if you were now. If the depictions, if I understand correctly, and once again, I'm not defending this guy. I'm not defending the prisons. I'm just giving you, I'm just stating facts here. You draw your own fucking conclusion. Now, with, uh, if he's, if Jeffrey Epstein, now there is another thing more stricter than Suicide Watch called one-on-one. And that is where an officer will sit outside your cell, isn't going anywhere. Uh, once again, make, they make log entries every 15 minutes. Now, one-on-one is a very, very, uh, delicate situation. It usually means you're screaming at the top of your lungs that you're going to kill yourself. All right. Sorry about that. Got a little delayed. Uh, you know, it's those couple of weeks after camp, but before school starts. So you got the kids sitting around the house. So, uh, she was asking me some questions. Uh, back to what I was saying. Uh, there is a thing in prison called one on one where that is where an officer will sit outside your cell and watch you for eight hours straight. But for you to get one on one, you have to be screaming at the top of your lungs that you're going to kill yourself. You're going to ha- you have to fucking, you know, grab some sort of uh, object and try to, you know, uh, you know, in the sight of the, an officer or the sight of the nurse, you know, try to slit your wrists and stuff like that. You have to have hesitation marks. You know, that being said, one-on-one is such a rare thing that, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it has to be an extreme situation. And then you would also use one-on-one if someone was saying they were going to escape or something like that. Um, you know, I've been on a one-on-one where the guy was, you know, obviously crazy. You know, uh, he took advantage, not when I was working, but he took advantage of when an officer wasn't paying attention before where he took his 
paper gown because they do give you a paper gown and it looks similar to the you know the gown that you would wear in the hospital but literally made out of like tissue paper or not tissue paper but you know something that you're not going to be able to do anything with and like he took his paper gown and flushed it down the toilet he was trying his best to clog the toilet uh, the inmate's excuse was saying that he was trying to keep demons from coming up out of the toilet. So stuff like that will get you a one-on-one. Uh, if my recollection or what I, or the articles that I've been reading so far, uh, yes, obviously he was depressed. They said he was giving money to other inmates. This maybe could have been protection. He was, you know, since he, this guy had ridiculous amounts of money, he had his, uh, lawyers, uh, sitting out. Uh, he had his lawyer. He had basically lawyers visits for 12 hours a day. And I think that was, you know, I think that's probably the max of hours you can get towards, you know, legally for a lawyer's hours. And again, you know, what can't you, what are you not going to accomplish in 12 hours? But it, it was his right. And he was exploiting that right by sitting with his uh, lawyers for 12 hours a day. Now, mind you, a team of lawyers. So imagine a guy of this high caliber, high paid lawyer sitting in a jail for 12 hours a day, more than one officer. I mean, what, more than one lawyer. Uh, so this guy was probably spending ridiculous amounts of money towards the end before he passed away. Uh, I, and once again, I'm not giving any kind of conspiracy theory, uh, whether he killed himself or not. I, you know, hopefully he did just kill himself because he's a fucking piece of shit. Obviously, there's the big theories that, you know, maybe he had something on Clinton, maybe he had something on Trump or uh, on countless other billionaires and, uh, you know, something, uh, holding sensitive nature, sensitive material of that nature, uh, can, buy you <laughs> entrance into a federal facility and have someone uh, whack you. And once again, I'm not supporting any of those uh, conspiracies. I'm just speaking the truth when it comes to Suicide Watch and trying to debunk what people think about Suicide Watch. It doesn't necessarily mean an officer sitting outside your cell. Um, so obviously he was despondent. Of course he's despondent. He's a millionaire sitting in jail. Of course he's going to be bent out of shape. Uh, but unless he was screaming at the top of the lungs on how he's going to kill himself, uh, you know, you're not necessarily going to get a one-on-one. -on -one. You're going to get a suicide watch. And that brings me to another thing about how facilities are understaffed. They said the officers that were supposed to be watching him that night uh, fell asleep. And then they falsified their log entries. And, of course, yes, these guys, it was dereliction of duty. And I'm pretty sure in a high-profile uh, high case like this, you know, they're going to be made an example of. Now, that being said, prisons are dangerously understaffed. Um, you know, they try to work, they try to do the most with what they can. And once again, when I worked in Sing Sing, it would be the end of the shift. Now I used to work the three to 11 shift. So it would be the end of the shift and all the officers went to the locker room, got changed in their civilian clothes, getting ready to leave. And then the person at the front door, it's a fucking prison who controlled the gate. If they needed people to work overtime, you were locked in. You're, you're an inmate. You're locked in just like the fucking inmates. And they would say, we need quote unquote volunteers, uh, to work overtime. Uh, and no one's going to go home until, uh, we find someone. And you could imagine, and especially someone like myself who was, uh, what we would in the, what we would call a new Jack or a rookie or, you know, anybody, you know, a, a new guy on the job. Um, you know, you would feel the pressure from your fellow officers. Uh, to, you know, they're like, I'm not fucking, you know, I'm not staying here. Let, you know, let the new Jacks, that was the new Jack was our version of rookie. Let the new Jacks do it. So, uh, you know, you could imagine the peer pressure of thinking that you're about to go home and then everyone's locked in and no one's going to go home until somebody volunteers. So, uh, you know, you would volunteer. And when I say volunteer, you obviously weren't volunteering because the whole fucking shift was locked into the fucking prison. The person controlling the door was given orders by the fucking supervisor 
not to let anyone leave until we had quote unquote volunteers. Now, you could imagine that if imagine working eight hour shift, a stressful shift, you're dealing with fucking inmates all day that are stressing you the fuck out. You're dealing with hustlers. You're dealing with killers. You're dealing with murderers, rapists. Guy, imagine once again, 180 inmates to two officers on a usual gallery on a block. Now, imagine that. Imagine those 90 inmates that you're responsible for. 90 guys trying to get over on you for eight hours in a day. Imagine that mental fatigue other than physical fatigue, not to mention that the jails don't have any kind of, uh, you know, obviously it's a jail, doesn't have air conditioning. But once again, you're in with the fucking inmates. If they're suffering, you're fucking suffering and you're forced to wear a uniform. Uh, you're forced to wear a uniform that needs to be kept to a certain standard. Well, yes, inmates wear uh, uniforms also, but, you know, it's not like it has to be, you know, pressed and cut and, 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 and you know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be presentable. Um, you know, as long as they don't have shit on their fucking uniforms, it's okay with us. You know, uh, there, you know, we did have an inspection every day and we, and that's carrying a belt with equipment, carrying with cuffs, with, with a, with a radio, with a baton, you know, things of that nature. You know, so if it's 90 degrees and you're in this fucking hot steaming fucking box and you have a, you know, you have heavy polyester uniform on, you know, it's stressed out. Now imagine at the end of those eight hours and you think you're going to go home. And they lock the doors and they say, you can't go home. You have to work overtime. And then you're peer pressured and, 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 you know, you work your overtime. And then, you know, and then now the next day, you know, oh, now you have to work overtime again or something to that effect. My point being is that officers are also overworked. And if those guys fell asleep, and don't get me wrong, it's dereliction of their duty. I'm pretty sure, you know, uh, in a facility like that, you know, and I, you know, and I worked in pr prisons where, you know, I worked the night shift and, you know, I was, I used to work a lot of overtime because I had to fucking pay my mortgage, uh, or, you know, the supervisor would say, Hey, look, if you feel like you're going to go to sleep, give me a call. You can walk around, you can go to the supervisor's office, get a fucking cup of coffee or whatever the case may be. Go, you know, go to the vending machine, get a Mountain Dew, get something that will get you back up and running. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, we make bad mistakes. It's the summertime. Heat gets to you. You know, uh, you, you feel like you're sitting down. You kind of, you know, you close your eyes for a second and then you're out. And once again, I'm not defending their actions, uh, but I do sympathize because I've been there. And once again, take all the conspiracy theories you like. Uh, that's just the fucking long and short of it. I'm giving you the best fucking straight up advice I can give. I'm not using any kind of exaggeration. All right. So let's get away from that shit. Um, let me see on our YouTube page. I had posted a funny video. Uh, I use this uh, app called Smule, which is a, uh, karaoke app for the lack of a better term. And, uh, there's this guy, his name is Vander, his screen name is Vandermast. And he does, uh, he likes to do songs and do them in funny ways. He did a, he did a version of Say Something, uh, by Real Big World and Christina Aguilera. He did, and how the app works is that it breaks a song in half where you and another person can sing, where they sing half, you sing the other half, and it's sort of like doing a duet. Uh, he did Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I did Sylvester Stallone. And, uh, the funny thing is, you know, he, he, how it works is, you know, the first person does their half and they just put it out there and whatever happens to the other half is up to the, whoever else decides to join in on the song. So he put out his Arnold Schwarzenegger and I thought it'd be funny if I did Sylvester Stallone. Um, I really liked the way it came out. Once again, you know, he already did his half. My half was sort of improving and, 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 uh, joining his half. So, uh, you could go on two strangers. You go on youtube.com, look for two strangers, one podcast, 
Arnold and Sly Singh say something. Uh, I found these old, uh, if you remember Camp Chaos, those old uh, flash videos from the, the very early parts of the internet where it's like, you know, money good, Napster bad. Uh, you know, the goofing on Metallica. And, you know, they did a bunch of other videos, but their style was very, uh, they had a very distinct, exaggerated style. So I took old cartoons from Camp Chaos where they actually had a cartoon where Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and, Arnold and Sylvester Stallone met and uh, I kind of animated it in the best way you can say it. you know it makes it look they're singing along with the with the music it's not great but I think it's cute enough and it sends you know it gets the message across so uh, I think it's fucking hilarious uh, please share and like it with your friends um, alright let's see what else we got alright there was there is a hashtag boycott CVS uh, which is about, um, I guess CVS has been known to donate to the Trump, uh, administration. So, uh, once again, I mean, I know we get political on the show and I did spend a lot of time just talking about, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but once again, that really wasn't a p- political talk. That was just more of being a, like a correction officer talk. So, uh, there is a boycott CVS thing where, you know, these, these pharmacies, you know, I, I had worked and I think I'd let that be known after I got fired. <laughs> you know, I, was, I worked at Rite Aid for a bunch of years and, you know, these pharmacies are, you know, they have the pharmacies in the back like a Rite Aid or, or a CVS or Walgreens. And then they kind of have the front end of the store, which is more like a convenience store, convenience store prices. And, uh, you know, they love the suburban housewives. They love people who's, who are loose with their money, I guess would be the best way to put it. So, you know, that's why, you know, you, there's these reward cards and you get the fucking receipt that's 30 feet long uh, because, you know, they're they're looking for dummies. Let's just be real here. You know, it should be you go to the pharmacy, you get your fucking, you know, you get your, you get whatever drugs you need. And I'm not going to get into that story, you know, uh, but, you know, you get the drugs you need and you go home. You know, you don't need all this extra shit. You know, they sell you a lot of stuff, you know. And then around the holidays, like right now, they're putting out all their Halloween stuff. And there's all this like made in China, made in Taiwan crap that, you know, that they sell. And I love it how like it's like full price, you know, right now. And if you're really excited, you'll buy it at full price because there are people who I mean, if I had the, <laughs> if I had the money and I know I'm talking shit about him, but if I had the money, yes, I would probably be buying Halloween decorations now. Uh, but as they get closer to the holiday, then it becomes half price, you know, and, you know, and a quarter price. And so, you know, buy one, get one free and stuff like that. So, you know, they have, you know, I, I, I totally re- regret the days and days and days I spent stocking fucking shells with utter bullshit at these quote unquote pharmacies. And once again, the pharmacy part is fine. It's the front end, uh, convenience store, you know, go, go to, go to a fucking, I mean, there aren't Rite Aids anymore or they all been bought up by Walgreens. But you go to one of those places and try to buy a snack or something like that where you're paying like $4 for a bag of chips that you could probably get at the other store for a buck and stuff like that. And so, of course, yes, I'm a little bitter about that. And uh, CVS was our competitor when I worked for Rite Aid. But, you know, if you're not a Trump supporter, uh, you may want to boycott CVS because they donate to his administration. Um, when we were filling, when we were uh, getting ready to record the original episode with Paul, uh, they had just broken out this thing where it was a petition to change the name of the street where Trump Tower is in New York City to, you know, Barack Obama way. So if anyone was writing to Trump Tower, it would be to Trump Tower 725 Barack Obama way in New York, New York, which I thought would have been 
hilarious. So uh, that's all the front end part of the show, sort of the the personal stuff. And let me see, uh, since the last time we were recorded, if there's anything new on my timeline that would be worth discussing. Um, you know, people who like to do, and I'm getting sick and tired of that. And I, I wish people would stop sharing videos of people who do something charitable you know, they give money to a homeless person or they'll arrange something nice for a homeless person. But then, like, you know, they're filming it and, you know, they, they put it, you know, they put sad music to it and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, if you're the type of person where you do shit like that, just, you know, you're doing it for the attention. You know, it's obviously you're, you know, and then like someone responded like, oh, but they're doing it to, to bring, you know, you know they bring in attention to the cause. No, they're not. No, they're not. If you want to bring attention to the cause, you can spend just the same amount of time making the same another video talking about the situation, talking about how people can help instead of basically showing the world how fucking wonderful you are. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, and this is for the, I guess you want to use that for the nerdy news and which we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, but since we've recorded, uh, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, everyone knows on this show, I love Kevin Smith. And Mark Bernard and his co-host for Batman Beyond, the podcast, which I love. And Mark Bernard has written for, like, the show, the TV show Alphas on Sci-Fi, uh, Hulu's Castle Rock. They're doing an up- upcoming Treadstone, uh, which is based in the, in the Jason Bourne universe. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. He's written for The Hollywood Reporter. He did a comic book. He did a comic called Genius. He's written a couple. He's written like X Men issues. He's he's has he's he's a comic book writer and uh, he's a talented writer. He's a funny fucking guy. If you ever would listen to the Batman Beyond podcast, Fat Man Beyond, excuse me. Uh, so Mark Bernardin and Kevin Smith are now through Netflix. Uh, and I don't want to use the word reboot because they're not. They're rebooting He Man, but it's supposed to be a continuation of the 80s series, which is weird because Netflix has She-Ra and you would think automatically that they would um, maybe use that established universe and then kind of cross over He-Man that way. The same way in the original He-Man, you know, they then they introduced She-Ra and then they kind of crossed over that. And like, I remember, uh, what was it? The, some, the sword, the power of the sword or some shit like that. Like there was a He-Man She-Ra movie that I have clear memories going to see i had said that I, I don't remember the name of the movie uh but i do remember that there was a, a he-man Shearer movie that and of course like most movies in the 80s you know yes of course it was, it was made to sell toys but you would go uh you know after a while the movie was then split into like four episodes so like <laughs> you know like yeah you went to go see it in the movies but if you just waited long enough they would give it on tv just uh chopped up into four episodes and it's funny, like you're watching the movie and then like you see it go to black where you know it's, it's such an obvious commercial break. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin are doing a continuation of the He-Man series. And it's very weird because as much as I love Kevin Smith, you know, He-Man is sort of a little more action based and stuff like that. You know, people are wondering, you know, is it going to be, you know, adult humor? I mean, seeing that, you know, the, the, the original audience for He-Man has kind of grown up sort of like, um, and it's funny, I'll just, I'll get into more nerdy news now, nerdy news now. Uh, sort of like the way, uh, right now they just released on Netflix, Rocco's Modern Life and Invader Zim. Uh, two Nickelodeon properties, which once again, I guess if you wait long enough, maybe they'll eventually give it on Nickelodeon. Uh, actually, maybe not the Rocco's Modern Life one because there was, uh, there was controversy about the Rocco's, Mo- Rocco's Modern Life one where, uh, Ralph Bighead, and if you remember, you know, Rocco had neighbors, the Bigheads, and they were always fighting, and then they had their son, uh, Ralph 
big head. Now in the 20 years updated Rocco's Modern Life, uh, the character uh, tr- is now a trans woman. And, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word trans transforms into a woman or whatever the case may be. But by the time they get there, she, you know, she's already a woman now. And now instead of being Ralph, it's Rachel. Little little known fact, s- frogs and these characters are frogs. Frogs can change their sex. Uh, I don't know if it's at will, but, you know, I guess through necessity can change sex. So it is a little clever. But then again, also, if you were a fan of Rocco's Modern Life, the cartoon, uh, you know, Ralph was always a character never comfortable in his skin, always sort of like depressed and unhappy. And and even though he was an animator and it was sort of like a um, a meta comment where he was an animator about a cartoon about crazy characters. But then, you know, Rocco's Modern Life was a cartoon about crazy characters. So he was sort of like this weird meta character. I don't know if he was supposed to represent the guy who created Rocco's Modern Life. Um controversy aside i'll be honest with you i wasn't a big fan of of the rocko's modern life uh netflix movie it's called static cling i liked it it was okay it was passable um i think and unfortunately you know like most things a lot of it was spoiled in the trailer you know when it's talking when it's goofing on you know droids and starbucks and everyone getting the iphone 8 iphone 9 iphone 10 you know weird combinations of food you know where you go to burger king nowadays and get a fucking a taco and i remember when burger king had the whopperito and you know weird combinations of food food trucks and it's nice that they're acknowledging like newer stuff but it's more of like hey look at this when the original Rod Rocco's Modern Life was very subversive, and this felt more like a, a "Hey, look at this" kind of deal, and uh, you know, what I'm saying it's, I don't, I don't necessarily, I wasn't exactly uh, impressed with the with the new Rocco's Modern, and it breaks my heart because I love Rocco's Modern Life, and and I I wanted it to be good, I wanted it to be subversive, and then. Uh, you, you know, some may say it's just a cheap gimmick by changing one of the characters from a guy to a girl. Um, even beyond that, I really didn't like it. And I hate to sound like, you know, I'm not trying to be a neckbeard here. Uh, then on the flip side, they also had the new, uh, Invader Zim enter the Florpus. It was like, it's like the show never ended, you know. Uh, coincidentally enough, uh, if you like, uh, Invader Zim, you can watch it on Hulu. The funny thing is that the, you know, the movie's on Netflix, but you can watch, uh, you know, and I've been rewatching old episodes of Invader Zim on Hulu. Um, I mean, of course, the first, like, the first couple of minutes of Invader Zim, I mean, you could see where their production value does come in, where it is movie style. Um, you know, they ramp it up to fucking, you know, ramp, you know, ramp it up to 15, uh, as, as out of 10 in the beginning, where you get the production and you could, and it feels like a movie. But I'm saying is the, the, the long, the rest of the episode, it feels like an episode of Invader Zim, you know, where it's just, it's so fucking ridiculously heavy handed with like, extreme and violence isn't the right word but just 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 everything's to the extreme and it kept the you know and uh you know i follow the creator jonan vasquez on twitter and you know he's very proud of it and it's you know like he you know and of course you know all these all these wonderful new uh, invader zim fans come out of the woodwork uh but i applaud that one i think that felt more like a that felt more like a continuation of Invader Zim, uh, not as much as Rocco's Modern Life. I mean, m- much more than Rocco's Modern Life. Excuse me. Um, okay, getting ready for football season. Fuck football. Uh, a bunch of boring assholes like football. Okay. Uh, let me see what else. I will try to 
keep this let's keep it light uh oh okay <laughs> kirsten dunst and this is something and i, I wish i kind of had the original episode uh, kirsten dunst is coming out with a new movie and the one thing i've noticed about kirsten dunst is that you know and i know her primarily from the spider-man the sam raimi spider-man movies and you know she had always had a big head and she had always had big boobs and you know when you see a girl that has a big head or it's even like if you see a girl that has big boobs and this is going to sound very <laughs> very fucking uh chauvinistic and everything like that but like when you see a skinny girl with big boobs that's just it's sort of just you're just waiting for her to eventually get fat you know saying so you're waiting for her body to catch up to those boobs if she's naturally that way um and curses nuns also had a big head and once again look i'm a fat guy and when I lost a lot of weight, my head still looked gigantic. You can't lose weight in your head. So I think when you see people with big heads, I think that's Mother Nature's way of saying they're supposed to be fat. And Kirsten Dunst back in the days of Spider-Man and stuff like that. I mean, I'm not even going to go, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not a big fan of Interview with the Vampire, which is how a lot of people initially got to know her. But I know her through the Spider-Man movies where she had a big giant fucking head and she had big boobs. So, you know, now she's doing a movie that's coming out now and her body is filled in. <laughs> She's not fat. I, I, I wouldn't. That's not the right word. And, and I'm the far be it for me to be the one to throw stones. But it looks like her body is caught up to her head and her boobs. Um. Oh. Uh. Once again, I don't know what my plans are, but they are. We are going to be celebrating the thirty. Well, we already celebrated the thirty third anniversary of the Transformers movie, the nineteen eighty six animated quote unquote the good one in theaters. Um, a local theater is part of, uh, they're having this thing called, uh, Super City, which is sort of like the citywide Comic-Con thing they're having here in Rochester. And I really, I really applaud their efforts. Uh, at a local theater, they're actually going to be giving Transformers the movie, uh, on the big screen, which I never got a chance to see when I was a kid because I was nine years old when it came out and I couldn't convince my parents, uh, to take me to the movies. Uh, but when the VHS came out, the one thing the one thing I could say my dad did help me out with was that my dad was friends with the video store owner. So we used to get stuff, uh, before it was available to the public. So, I mean, my dad did get me, you know, for rental of Transformers, the movie of which I fell in love with, but also traumatized the shit out of me because watching Optimus Prime die, you know, at such a young, impressionable age when to me Optimus Prime was everything. Uh, watching him die was super traumatic for, you know, I, I wouldn't say nine because I was nine when the movie came out. The, the, the VHS probably came out about a year later. So uh, watching a 10 year old, uh, being a 10 year old, watching your your favorite character die on TV on, on your screen uh, was very traumatic. Uh, but the movie's awesome. You know, I've had a bootleg copy of the VHS, a legitimate copy of the VHS, the Blu-ray, the DVD, the 20th anniversary version of the DVD. Um, you know, I've had the same movie six or seven times, and I love it. I can recite the goddamn thing. So uh, on the 24th in Rochester, they are going to have it in the theater. I would very much like to go see it. Um, I got tickets, but then again, you know, Life happens, and I think I may not be able to go see it, so that's going to break my heart if I do, if I don't see it. But then the cool thing is even after Transformers, they're giving, it's like an homage to uh, cartoons of the past. So they're giving episodes of Muppet Babies, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Thundercats, X-Men, Rugrats, Gargoyles, uh, Cowboy Bebop, 
Samurai Shampoo and Kill La Kill. So it's going to be a good day. I think it's like from 8 o'clock in the morning to like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, let me see. What else do we have here? New Slipknot album so far. What I've heard from the New Slipknot album is pretty good. Uh, Peter Fonda died. I only know Peter Fonda from... Uh, was he in... No, the, was it was he in on golden pond i think that was one of the first movies i ever saw as a kid uh, i know he was an easy writer as captain america but for fans of this show they know him more from uh the first uh ghost rider movie or the second ghost rider movie where he plays the devil so i think with that we'll be back with more dick and fart jokes this episode of Two Strangers, One Podcast is brought to you by Comics Etc. 1115 East Main and North Goodman at the Hungerford Building, door number 8. Find out more information at comicsetc.biz or like them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash comicsetc1. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore i am in the most sincerest senses disappointed in you it takes a powerful goddess like connie jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it oh, i'm still tripping out over that even as a kid i was like i gotta find a girl like that every week i, I get a new look of disappointment that i never thought i could get it's out of unimaginable at 12 years old you should not be watching this obviously at 13 you should not be 14 you shouldn't be i'm not entirely sure even 17 year olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. And we're back. Who would have thought, you know, I know I do a lot of talking on these shows. And to think that I could probably do the first half an hour uh, without a co-host. I don't know how interesting I am. Uh, this is not going to be a usual format. Uh, but I'm, I am just getting all this stuff off my chest. But um, all right. So let's get into the nerdy news uh, right before we were about to record last time. Uh, they had just announced on, well, I think it's with D23, the Disney uh, event that they have every year, which is right around the corner. Uh, they announced that Ewan McGregor will be coming back to the Star Wars universe in a, in a Star Wars, I don't know if it's a series or if it's a one shot. Um, I don't think they've gotten to that yet, but he will be returning as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, the beautiful thing is, is, you know, it's been about 20 years. Well, no, it's about 2006 or 2009 was the last movie. So it's been about 10 years since the end of the last movie. And, you know, there is a long period in between when we see Obi-Wan Kenobi in Revenge of the Sith and then Obi-Wan Kenobi as an old man in A New Hope. So, uh, you know, Ewan McGregor has has aged a little bit, which I think is good. So they don't have to give him kind of any extra makeup other than, you know, his beard and so on and so forth. And of course, you know, I think a lot of people will agree that of the prequels, of everything that had happened in the prequels, 
I don't think anybody has anything bad to say about Ewan McGregor. You know, Obi-Wan was, you know, he was believable. He was consistent. He was uh, somewhat connected to the character. And of course, there's a big jump because, you know, between Revenge of the Sith and, and, and A New Hope, it's only been like about 30 years. <laughs> and how Ewan McGregor goes from like, you know, a, a, a guy in his maybe late 20s, early 30s to <laughs> old ass Alec McGinnis. Okay, that's a little bit hard to believe. But, you know, um, you know, we can be flexible. And I don't think there's not a single fan. I don't care how much you hate Star Wars. I don't think there's a single fan that did not like Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So um, him coming back, it just it seems like such a natural play. Hopefully they backed up the Brinks truck. And, you know, it is going to be weird because obviously in a series like that, yes, we do know how he eventually dies uh, or eventually becomes one of the force. So, you know, they can't really tease him dying or anything like that. Um, but uh, seeing that they're going to have a lot of leeway with the um, the Mandalorian show, and I think that also takes place in between the movies. So, you know, you you can have a lot of fun, and you, there's you, there's a lot you can explore uh, with Obi Wan Kenobi and kind of expand on the universe. Um, and it's going to be coming out with uh, Disney Plus, and I'm super excited about that. And then once again, and just discussing Disney Plus in general, uh, they have announced a like thirteen dollar bundle. And I could be wrong, but it could, I could—I believe it's like twelve ninety-nine or thirteen ninety-nine. It's a bundle of Disney Plus, which remember all those shows that they uh, that they had announced at San Diego Comic Con. You know the Loki TV show. You know the Falcon and uh, and and uh, Falcon and 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 Winter Soldier uh, TV show. Um, the What If TV show. Uh, there's and you know these shows are given are be are going to be given budgets as if they were movies these shows are having 50 million dollar budgets because they're going to be 8 hour movies and they're using the same people that were in uh the big giant blockbusters so these tv shows are going to be uh the quality of the movies or as or even if it's half the quality of the movies since it's about half the budget um you know and then with the Mandalorian and the Star Wars stuff, and now with the Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, you know Disney Plus is going to be a force to be fucking reckoned with. Now, if that wasn't enough, like if thirteen, fourteen dollars a month wasn't wasn't enough, they're bundling Hulu because you know Disney also owns a large chunk of Hulu, so they may even buy out you know the other people. And look, I spend all day. I mean, I work all day, but you know I can stream TV while I'm working. And I spend all day watching Hulu. And, you know, you could spend, I think my money's better spent on Hulu than it is on Netflix. And then it's not my money because <laughs> I'm using my boss's account. But that's neither here or there. Uh, that being said, uh, you get Disney Plus, you get Hulu, and then you get ESPN Plus. Now, I can roll my eyes with the ESPN Plus because I'm not going to fucking use it. I could give absolutely two shits about ESPN. I wish, now once again, now this package i believe is going to be the package with ads you know i think you have to pay another you know three to seven dollars or whatever to get the the package without ads um i don't have that because i'm using my boss's account but i you know i've i've been in paul's house where you know we've watched hulu with ads the cool thing if it unless it's changed since the last time i watched it it lets you see it lets you know how many commercials are left. You know, it's like so four commercial. It's usually about four commercials, three to four. And it even lets you know how much time is left in that particular commercial. So, you know, you know you have time to go take a piss, go get something from the kitchen um, with the ads. So I'm not exactly complaining. Now, the ESPN Plus 
oh, I could give two shits about. You could throw, you, could, you know, you could keep the ESPN Plus. I had read this thing online and someone made a great suggestion and I really wish this was an option. Now, like on the DC app, there is the, the, the DC Universe app where you could watch, you know, the shows like Titans and Swamp Thing and the Doom Patrol and all, you know, and old episodes of Batman the Animated Series. There's also with the same app, you can also read comics, you know, and I don't know if it's the entire DC catalog, but, you know, it's enough where you can sit there. And I think like, you know, if you have a tablet or even on your phone, you can sit there and read comics on your device. Now, I wish and I would would I think would be a better value, at least for my dollar, was get rid of ESPN Plus. And since Disney owns Marvel, maybe have a, once again an option where you could read Marvel comics or even and let me tell you, they could even like. Let's just say, you know, we got the, you know, when the time comes for the Shang-Chi movie to come out, you know, then they'll have, you know, a whole bunch of issues of the Shang-Chi character or, or, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Then, you know, there'll, there'll be like a special on. So like you could read comics that sort of, you know, are related to the movies and the TV shows that are about to come out. Like it doesn't have to be the whole Marvel catalog. I don't, don't get me wrong. It'd be great. You know, but if, like if you have like Comixology or any of those other apps or whatever, and I think Marvel has their own app. But, you know, it would be a great option where, you know, it doesn't have to be the full catalog, but, you know, enough where, you know, if I'm out and about and I'm sitting on the bus or whatever and I have my tablet and I have a Disney Plus account, I could read Marvel Comics. I mean, it makes sense. Why the fuck? Who gives a shit? I mean, I think if you're into fucking Disney and and, and Marvel and all and Star Wars, I don't do you really give a shit about sports. But then again, that's just me and my biased opinion. But I could give two shits about ESPN. You know, I worked in my, and I, when I worked in Radio Shack, you know, that ESPN all day, all day. And it was the same fucking, it was the same, uh, you know, <laughs> the same sports, uh, uh, stories over and over and over again. Like if you're watching a news network, um, all right, went to the drive in, took my daughter to the drive in, saw, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, which was, yawnably blah yawn i yawn 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 it was such a i don't say it was bad i mean it was supposed to be kid for kids but even for kids it was kind of a boring movie it had started to rain uh when we go to the drive-in we kind of have like our folding chairs and a little folding table and like a radio so i don't have to kill the batteries on my car because it, they transmit the audio for the drive-in over the radio so you could sit in your car with your with your car turned on well you know with your with your car on maybe not the engine running and but you know we sit out at the table and have the radio going and then it started to rain by the time we got we got in the car my daughter fell asleep you know like if this movie was any good we she'd be awake um it was a double feature and then they show they had shown crawl and that's the story about the house that's under you know there's like a, a levee break sort of katrina situation and the house the water gets house gets filled with water and then, like, in the basement or in the first level of the house, there's a giant alligator. I and my daughter had both just fallen asleep. We were both asleep in the car. We had the seats reclined, and neither one of us gave a shit. And, like, the movie just, like, bothered me. Like, it would made be loud and wake me up. Now, that being said, after <laughs> after I waking up at the end of Crawl, because I, I didn't see, I totally did not watch Crawl at all. I literally slept through that movie. Um, I had snuck in into the other, <laughs> I had snuck into the other, um, drive-in screen and saw uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And oh my God, I think like there was an editor that was working with Quentin Tarantino for a while and they think they passed away before like Inglorious Bastards or something like that. <sighs> they need to fire whoever his editor is now because Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the Seinfeld of Quentin Tarantino movies. It's a movie about nothing. Now mind you, uh, you know, with 
with crawl and scary things to see in the dark, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, you know, those, both those movies started the same time of whatever movie played before, uh, you know, what's upon a time in Hollywood. So I was able to sit and I watched about two hours worth. I think it's like a three hour movie. And I had watched about two hours with that movie. And I would say maybe 45 minutes of action happened during those two hours. A lot of scenes, like, you know, there's a scene with Margot Robbie as, as Shannon, Shannon Tate. She goes to a movie theater and watches her own movie. So you're watching a movie of an actor watching a movie almost in fucking real time. Uh, and once again, this is another complaint a lot of people had. You know, there's a lot of driving scenes in Los Angeles and they're listening to the radio. And I guess for people who live out there, you know, it's, it's authentic old radio from those days playing on the radio as they drive across the hot, the highways and nothing happens as people sitting in a car having inane conversations. And don't be wrong. Quentin Tarantino is known for having inane conversations in his movies and pop culture conversations. But I mean, really damn near nothing happening other than we have the time, power and money to get all these cars on the highway, these old, you know, 60s cars or whatever, and it's 1969, uh, let's, you know, let's film a scene of cars driving down the highway because we can. Um, and, and then there's a part where, you know, Brad Pitt and, and, and Leonardo DiCaprio are watching TV and they're watching like TV shows that like Leonardo DiCaprio was in, but like the camera is literally focused on the television screen with them talking in the background. It felt like I was watching Beavis and Butthead. Um, then the last 10 minutes, it gets ultra violent and then the movie's over. It, the last 10 minutes are very Quentin Tarantino. And, and I think like it's sort of like he's apologizing. I'm like, I'm sorry I wasted two hours and 50 minutes of your time. I'm going to give you the last 10 minutes of ridiculous over the top action and revisionist history because it's like in Glorious Bastards where it rewrites history. And then, and when the movie ended, like I was sort of like, that's it. This is how the fucking movie's going to end. So, you know, I know he's an auteur and he's a talented man and he has the money and power to do whatever the fuck he wants. But I think someone should have talked him into, or at least his editor should have uh, said, look, Quentin, we got way too much in this fucking movie. Let's cut it down to a tight <laughs> hour, you know, hour and 20. Uh, because a lot of nothing happened in that movie. Beautifully shot nothing, wonderfully acted nothing, <laughs> but nothing nonetheless. Um, for fans of Regal Theaters, once again, this is not a paid, uh, but they're doing a $18 a month movie pass, Regal's version of movie pass. And, uh, you know, I had, I had asked, I had wanted to ask Paul, we didn't even get to it the last episode, but, uh, that is a thing coming out. So if you like going to the movies and you happen to have a Regal theater, cause there's a lot of Regals here in, in Rochester, um, they do have the $18 a month. I mean, I get, I've seen a lot of people get burned by the movie pass because it's like, oh, you can only use it on this day and you, you know, you can't, you know, can't be a movie that like just came out. And, and so, I mean, $18 a month, do I really go to the movies that much? You know, I, I, I sneak into more movies than that. So, um, I don't know, but it's nice to know that it's there and it's available. So if you, if they're about around a regal theater, um, Andy Circus, best known for playing, you know, Gollum and Lord of the Rings and, and Caesar in the uh, Planet of the Apes, the, the new Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, what other? He was Claw in Black Panther. He is going to be directing uh, Venom 2, which I think is a very interesting choice. I'm wondering if there's going to be a lot of motion capture in that movie because, you know, Venom was okay. Actually, I didn't like it. I'll be honest with you. But a lot of people liked Venom. And I'm wondering if maybe, you know, with him being in the movie, like maybe he'll be performing too. Oh, he also played Snoke in, uh, you know, Grand Commander Snoke in the new Star Wars movies. So I'm wondering if, like, 
Is there going to be a lot of motion capture? You know, let Tom Hardy still be his the human character. But I wonder if Andy Serkis is going to be mo-capping uh, Venom, which, you know, I mean, the guy's a fucking genius and, and he, he brings incredible characters to life. And I would love to see what he does with Venom. And I'm really and I'm hoping this is sort of like a X-Men 2, Sam Raimi, Spider-Man 2, Godfather 2 situation where uh, the second movie uh, is better than the first. You know, where the sequel, you know, the which which sadly means the third one is probably going to be even better than that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the third one's probably going to suck. I mean, uh, if it follows that, if it follows that trajectory. Um, but I am really excited to th- see what Andy Serkis is planning for Venom, especially with his history with motion capture, which I don't think he did motion capture for any of like the I think he did a version of Mowgli or the Jungle Book or whatever that was on Netflix. But uh, I, I trust them. I trust Andy Serkis to give us a fucking good kick-ass Venom movie. And then obviously, you know, they had introduced Carnage in the in the in the end of Venom. Spoiler alert! Uh, that was the uh, like the after credits teaser. And and even right now, Marvel Comics is giving Ven- uh, Carnage a big push. Uh, there's a there's a book series out right now called Absolute Carnage. So I think they're gearing us up. They're getting carnage into the zeitgeist and you know carnage is basically venom even more crazy well i guess you know in a movie where if you're going to have venom as the good guy carnage could be the bad guy because you know originally they're both bad guys uh but you know you know where venom is crazy and will eat people's fucking heads you know carnage will just you know eat a room full of heads of you know a whole room full of people he'll go to a heavy metal concert and kill everybody in the fucking audience so i am interested to see andy circus tackle carnage who will be played by uh what's his face woody harrelson and it'll be fun it'd be, it's gonna be fun to watch woody harrelson turn into a complete fucking psycho he's done it before so you know he was you know mickey and mallory natural born killers so uh imagine mickey and mallory meets you know lord of the rings meets venom and then of course if they want you know they could put tom holland in there even if it's you know little spider-man cameo which would be wonderful they don't have to do it but it would be nice to see tom holland in the in the, in the tights again um okay uh oh here's uh here's real big news uh in the and we had discussed this last episode about the dc crossover crisis on infinite earths thing that is going to be released uh, pretty much in the, uh, december and january end of this year beginning of next year on all the you know the flash and arrow and legends of tomorrow and supergirl and even uh, black lightning uh they're they're gonna have the crossover and you know they'd already announced you know linda carter as wonder woman uh burt ward is robin an older obviously an older robin um they're, they're, you know, uh, Brandon Routh as uh, Superman, but the Kingdom Come version of Superman. Uh, they've announced Kevin Conroy, the voice from Batman the Animated Series, uh, to play old man Bruce Wayne. And they keep saying Bruce Wayne. I don't think we're going to see, we're not going to see anybody in the Batman Beyond outfit. And seeing how these shows love to avoid talking about Batman, they may not even mention Batman. Like they'll be Robin and then, you know, and, and even old man Bruce Wayne, but I, they're not going to say Batman. Now I'm hoping that, you know, maybe in the background, we'll see the old, you know, the, the, the Bruce Wayne Batman Beyond suit doesn't have to be the Terry McGinnis one. 
Um, I'm hoping we at least see the suit in the background, uh, but we're going to see old man Bruce Wayne. Once again, they did not say Batman. They just said Bruce Wayne, uh, uh, Kevin Conroy, and he's got the voice. And, and look, I love Kevin Conroy, but, you know, he's getting up there in age. So, you know, he's going to play, you know, old man uh, Bruce Wayne. I think it, the, 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 it fits him like a glove. I mean, he played the voice in the, in the actual animated series. So I'm super excited about that. And then, you know, with New York Comic Con coming in October, um, you know, for the past like two years, I've interviewed Kevin Conroy, and I'm hoping I'll have a chance to interview him this year. And of course, I'm going to ask him about that, even though they may not want me to. <laughs> I'm going to try to sneak a question in there about the uh, crisis on Infinite Earths. I've been watching uh, Glow season three on Netflix. Really fucking good. I mean, if you're a fan of the series, um, this this season, this uh, season three has been pretty good. I'm, I'm about 75 percent way through it. If you like Allison Brie. And if you like to see her boobies, and according to my friend, he says that she has she has shown her boobies in her earlier seasons. For some reason, I don't remember that. Or if you, even if you're a fan of Community, you get to see Allison Bree's boobs on episode three of Glow, uh, season three, episode three. And then the other, there's another character who I'm in love with, uh, Melrose. Uh, I like Sheila also, the wolf girl. Uh, but I, I like Melrose. And you get to see Melrose boobies in the episode also. And of course, you know, it's TV and they're going to be as flattering as possible, but both their titties look very, very, very nice. Um, I had Googled it and I guess Allison Breed likes showing her tits, but more like, like pictures that she's taken personally. But if you know the websites to go to, you can see them. But if you want to see them, uh, without turning into a total skeeve, uh, you can see them on, uh, Glow season three, episode three. Um, uh, fans of the show will know Austin, uh, you know, one of the former uh, temporary co-hosts. Uh, him and I got tickets to go see Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And the same night, they're having Fathom events. Um, I think Kevin Smith is going uh, across the country. And um, if you don't go to the Fathom events one, it's sort of like, you know, they'll come to town and they'll premiere the movie like on a Friday hypothetically you know they'll on a friday in chicago and then like that weekend it'll be playing in chicago so you could go to their show or you go to local theaters that are sort of supporting so it's not going to be like a full-blown uh release except for those nights of the fathom events so there's there's one night i believe october 15th where it's just reboot and then october 17th it's going to be jane silent bob strike back and jane silent bob reboot uh you know both austin and i are big kevin smith fans and uh, I think it's going to be an awesome night. And, you know, James Silent Bob Strike Back is one of those movies that I can watch over and over and over again. And I can quote. And, you know, I've seen it a million times. Um, I did see that in theaters, unlike Transformers. Uh, but I'm super excited. And then Reboot looks good also. So, um, And then I think there, Jason Mewes had put out another movie called The Method and the Madness. But the movie's so old, like, Stan Lee's still alive in it. And Kevin Smith is still fat. So, uh uh, if you're if you're if you're jonesing for more of that, I'm gonna probably get it. Probably, I'll, I think it comes out on on demand also. But there's a there, you, if you haven't heard of it yet, and you should have. There's a movie called Method in the Mad Madness and the Method, directed by Jason Mewes, and it's a weird meta story because it's about Jason Mewes not wanting to be Jason Mewes, uh, in a weird indie movie sort of way. So check that out. Um. I had been watching, and you know, I once again, I'm at work when I'm at work and I'm watching TV. I've been watching a lot of uh, Netflix shows, and my Hulu f- for a while was down for a minute. So I was, I was sort of like, I don't want to say forced to watch Netflix, but uh, I sort of like gave Netflix a little bit more attention. And there's some good shows on it. Um, 
And once again, I'm not getting paid for this. It's just stuff I want to say. Uh, Aziz Ansari's Master of None has cracked me up a lot. Uh, Tiffany Haddish has a comedy, uh, stand-up comedy uh, showcase where a bunch of her friends perform. It's called They Ready. And there's like seven episodes. Five of them are really, really good. Um, there's a Hassan Minaj, I think his name is. The show called Patriot Act. Uh, that's pretty good. It, it's very much, it's, it's uh, last Sunday tonight, the John Oliver show, but it, it kind of, you know, uh, the Patriot Act really kind of uh, targets like millennials and stuff like that, or at least uh, at least all the references and stuff like that, uh, you know, it targets uh, millennials and the way the guy speaks to the audience. So uh, if you like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver on HBO, you'll probably like uh, Patriot Act. Um uh, and uh, Orange is the New Black season seven. As much as I was, as much as I love Glow, Orange is the New Black season seven came out. Um, I I've loved Orange is the New Black. Uh, it was you know it was shown to me. I, I was a late uh, a late adopter, but I love the show. Like I said, parts of the later seasons were actually filmed in the prison that I worked at, which is very kind of weird. Um, this last season, not the greatest, but at least they knew it was going to be the last season. And how, you know, that's probably the only show right now that's gone the farthest on, on a streaming platform at seven seasons. So, um, at least they had the season to tie up a lot of loose ends. Some, some things are left, uh, still open. And, but it was, it was enough where they said, okay, you know, let's say goodbye to these girls. You know, we're not going to keep beating a dead horse. And, um, they tied up a lot of loose ends. And so I did like the last episode. I did like the way they kind of tied up everything. Um, like I said, the season itself kind of had its highs and lows. It wasn't bad, but it was definitely wasn't not there. It wasn't their best season. Uh, but if you like Orange is the New Black, obviously you probably have seen it by now, but, uh, you could check it out. Um, a friend of mine hit me to Barry season one, which I got a chance. So it was Barry season, the season one of season two. Uh, season one of Barry is a lot better than season two. Season two kind of meanders a bit, uh, but uh, season one is definitely worth watching. Um, and uh, in the vein of TV shows that I, I'm in love with, uh, there was a, if you remember, if you were alive during the 90s and you were watching Fox TV, there was a show called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. And it wasn't the most famous show in the world. And you know, it was one of those shows. I think it came on like even like before The Simpsons. Like it wasn't even like a, it wasn't even a show that you saw after eight. It was like a seven thirty or seven o'clock show. And uh, Parker Lewis can't lose. I was a big fan of that show. And uh, so I follow the the star of the show, Corin Nemec, uh, went on Twitter and he said that the creators of the show had actually met with quote unquote executives uh, discussing a reboot or update or whatever the case may be. Unfortunately, the executives did not like it uh they kind of kind of rejected it and like you know and unfortunately for a coronemic like you know kind of he took it he took it kind of hard and he was off twitter for a couple of days and it's just it's one of those things i mean that show made him who he is um i loved or i loved uh parker lewis can't lose uh there's you know there's three shows if i had the money i'd bring back parker lewis can't lose uh, the Adventures of Pete and Pete and Megas XLR. And uh, there's something about a show that's very, the show is very surreal and it's very like, you know, takes reality and flips it on his head. And uh, there was a character on, on Parker Lewis called Jerry, the sort of like the nerdy sidekick and he wore a trench coat. And once again, this is in the, the mid nineties or early, early nineties, way before trench coat mafia. But you know, he's wore a black trench coat where he had everything that you ever needed was in his trench coat. And I think, you know, this might even have even predated like Jay and Silent Bob or whatever, 
where uh, you know, where they do and they do kind of gag with Silent Bob having like anything that you need in his trench coat or whatever. But like, you know, he, like there was one time he, they needed a fax machine. Once again, show you how nineties it is, and like he, you know. You know, he puts the paper in his fucking jacket and there's a fax machine in his jacket. Shit like that where it's so fucking surreal and so weird. Um, I love that show. Um, you know, there's just so much. Uh, season two is on Crackle, the Sony app that no one ever watches. Uh, and I could see kind of why the show got canceled because season two, the, the, the quality does dip, which is weird because you don't see season one. But season one of Parker Lewis Can't Lose is absolutely wonderful. And if you're a fan of Mila Jovovich, it's uh, young Mila Jovovich, uh, just getting her, her big start. And uh, I, it's a show that I wish uh, would come back and I enjoy visiting. Like I said, I watched season two and I guess maybe it's one of those deals where you kind of remember it with rose colored glasses because season two, although okay, wasn't as great as season one. And I guess the last thing I, I wanted to talk about was the band Tool. They've been out for, they, they're releasing a new album later on this year. Uh, you know, I had known someone who was a fan of the band Tool who kind of had a substance abuse problem. And she had always said, you know, we would listen to Tool music and she would always say, oh, you know what this song's about, right? You know what this song's about, right? Meaning, cause Tool has a lot of songs about drugs. So that was sort of our running joke together was basically, you know, oh, you know what this song's about, right? So they put out, a, they're putting out a new album and they put out a new logo uh, for the band Tool where it has this weird shape. And I guess fans were looking at it and then someone figured out if you take the shape and you flip it lengthwise or whatever, like you fold it in half horizontally, uh, the two halves cover each other and almost resembles a needle. And the and the album's going to be called Fear Inoculum. So, uh, you know, where even their songs about drugs, not even their new logo is somewhat related to drugs with it looking like a, a weird, uh, you know, old school syringe. So I just thought that was unique. And uh, I can't believe it. I've been talking for over an hour now. <laughs> I exhausted all my topics when I when me and Paul did our original episode. It was about uh, two hours. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of political talk <laughs> in the beginning. So I hope maybe we saved you from that. Uh, I did a little teeny tiny bit of political talk, but, uh, you know, I don't know if I really like this method because my throat is sore already for talking for a st- an hour straight. And I took a break during a commercial break to drink some water. Um, and it feels weird me just talking to nobody. Uh, but I did kind of enjoy this and, uh, you know, let's wrap it up. That's what she said. Please visit two strangers one podcast.net where you can find all things show related. You can find uh, links to our iTunes page. If you have a, if you have an iPhone, an iPad, or an iPod, you can uh, find us there. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, if you don't have an iPhone, an iPad, or iPod, you can find us on the Stitcher app. That's S T I T C H E R. The Stitcher app for Android devices. Uh, like what I do is, you know, I listen later. I put on on listen later and available offline, so you can download all the episodes while you're in a Wi-Fi spot. And then when you're out and about, you can listen to your podcast without killing your battery or killing your data. Um, and then, of course, our original hosting site before Stitcher and before iTunes, you can f- download us directly at our hosting site at SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud, just search search for Two Strangers, One Podcast. Um, the episodes, and I'm sorry, excuse me, as I adjust my desk. Um, the episodes that you can find go back about two or three years and... If you want to find episodes before that, because we're seven and a half, damn near eight years worth of podcasts, um, you could find the other episodes that aren't available on SoundCloud. You can find on YouTube. Just go on YouTube and search for Two Strangers, One Podcast. And on our YouTube, you can find that video I mentioned earlier uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. But it's called Arnold and Sly Sing Say Something. 
Uh, you can find my audiobook, Odd I See a Tell from the Road. Uh, you can find, I believe, two albums worth of music that I put out. I do digital music under my, my, my electronic music name is XLNYC, which is like my Twitter handle that it's, you know, I've been known by that name for fucking, you know, 20, 30 years now. Um, and of course, every episode of Two Strange Little Podcast up until we moved over to SoundCloud, uh, you can find on YouTube. Just search for that and you can find my Stranger Vlogs. I did about 30 of them. I have another one that I had, I recorded months ago and I never uploaded. Uh, you can find my Stranger Vlogs. So, uh, tons of stuff you can find on YouTube. We want your money. We need your money. But if you can't give us a dime, it takes two seconds to share and like us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash two strangers one podcast. Uh, you know, share and like us with your friends, share and like this particular episode, share and like the page. Uh, we do have a group two strangers one podcast network. Um, where you can uh, you can share that or join that group, and once again, the original website is two strangers one podcast dot net. Uh, there you can find links to buy my book. Odd I see, odd I see a tale from the road. All this stuff. Oh my god, I got all this shit. People buy my book, listen to my music, listen to my podcast, look, listen to my vlogs. Everything is linked to two strangers one podcast dot net. And if you want to write us, like Oscar used to, but I think I kind of hurt his feelings after I had played him singing Madonna's Borderline. I, I think I hurt his feelings, but he hasn't written since. He, he had written after that episode saying that, like, I really didn't zing him, and he hasn't written since. But he used to write us all the time. But if you want to write us like Oscar used to, uh, you can meet us at two strangers one podcast at gmail.com. All spelled out, two strangers one podcast at gmail.com. And that's it. We certainly hope you guys enjoyed listening. And had as much fun as I did recording. I apologize for this episode not being the usual quality because uh, with uh, I thought I had everything set up and things got messed up and we lost two hours worth of episode. But I gave you an hour back. Uh, we certainly hope you guys enjoyed listening. Had as much fun as I did recording. Thank you for listening to Two Strangers One Podcast. I'm Chris. Peace. We're out. Bye. You should be fapping all right, here we go, man. Go ahead. You want to read Double it? Jackpot. What is it? It is a self-published book by Christopher Cologne. Chris Cologne? Smells good to me. But- <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. That broke that fucking cold little exterior. He's like, hee. But it is spelled C-O-L-O-N. Him punny. But... Double Jackpot is a book about a comic book artist, Eric, who is in a loveless relationship with a materialistic Lynette. Oh, fucking. Are you sure I didn't write this? Uh, Sounds hauntingly familiar. He starts cheating on his girlfriend with a more creatively... So, sorry, creatively supportive woman, Nadia. Oh, I, I gotta meet her. Where's the Nadia? There's your summer girlfriend. Summer Nadia is Nadia. Nadia? Yeah, I think Nadia spelled with an A. All right. Both Lynette and uh, Nadia play the double jackpot, the largest payout in Lotto history, much like the recent Powerball. Both girls play his birth date as the winning re- as the winning numbers. Eric is now stuck between two of the country's richest women. Who will he choose? It's not that simple. This is a clever fucking idea, yeah, man. Is. Look at her. Fucking, she's impressed. I am. Summer, she got some summer reading. Uh, Christopher uh, Cologne smells real lovely with an original idea. This is. I've never heard this before. I haven't either. This is a self-published book, much in the indie spirit as Kev's Clerks. 
Oh, you don't even need to name check me. This is just a good idea. You could stand on your own, man. You don't even have to be like, hey, remember Clerks? This is nothing like that. <laughs> this is way more original than Clerks. This is a good idea, man. Why didn't I think it is? I need something to read. This book is part of the Comic Books Heavy Metal Video Games Trilogy Book 2. Odd I See, A Tale from the Road, coming soon. Right on, man. It's part of a trilogy. This is the first part. Way to write, man. He's seeking a literary agent. Motherfuckers, anybody out there? There ain't no literary agents listening to this show. I assure you, sure. Sure. I assure you, sure. But somebody know a literary agent? Welcome, motherfucker, up! Chris Cologne come up with an original idea. I should tell Raskin. That's a good fucking idea, to be so honest too. with you. That's a fucking rom-com right there. Megan, get Raskin on the phone. <laughs> Isn't it possible to get Raskin on the phone? No? Yeah. I want to run it past him, man. I want to, and if it happens, I get a taste, Chris Cologne. I get a, a whiff, if you will. The book could also be ordered on www.lulu.com. That's lulu.com. I understand that. I just wanted to spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> Normally one says it, that spells it still. Lulu.com. What is that? Do you know what it is? I don't know. All right. The book could also be ordered on www.lulu.com. Search for Double Jackpot Christopher Cologne. A paperback version of the book is $15, and a PDF file is only 5 bucks. Five dollars yeah. is insanely inexpensive. Fifteen is not even that bad for a hard for a paperback version. No, this is a million dollar idea right here. Like a, a fucking a movie about a dude who fucking is stuck between two chicks, both of who play his birthday and win the lottery. Come on, come! I, like I can it. see that trailer. Chris Cologne is on to something. Nobody else can smell it but me. I'll read it. Thank you. I'm gonna make that smelly joke. I know on. you're trying to get me to laugh again. It worked once. <laughs> Double Jackpot is a self-published book by Chris Cologne, man. It's the first book in his comic books, heavy metal video games trilogy. Book two, Odd I See, A Tale from the Road, should be coming out soon. Get all the information. Chris Cologne, like a motherfucker, and his totally book, read this. Double Jackpot. I'm serious. I'm going to recommend that to fucking Raskin. That's, how is that not a movie? You know what I'm saying? This could be a sexy movie. You could do an R-rated version. There could be nudie in it. And you could sell them fucking both chicks. Maybe a little penetration. Maybe a butthole shot. No butthole, no care. I would like to formally apologize to Christopher Cologne. Right no, now, sex sells. <laughs> Chris Cologne will appreciate that. He's like, thanks for throwing a few buttholes in there, man. Don't forget to check out twostrangersonepodcast.net, your one-stop resource for everything show-related. You can find links to subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. You could also find links to buy my book, Double Jackpot, on twostrangersonepodcast.net. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out.